you're listening to the Yukon Chi Alpha podcast. We're so happy to offer you sermons, interviews, and just spiritual content to help you grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, man, it's so good to see everybody. It's so awesome. We got, it was a chilly morning. Benjamin's dragging a blanket out into the field for those of you that are not here. So that's fun as well. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to be, um, we're going to be all over the place today. We're talking about the pursuit of happiness today. As Americans, this is something that, um, it's part of our constitution. And I'm going to make, try to make the argument that, um, might not be all that it's cut out to be. The pleasure might be, um, not as exciting if we're always having it. So you guys know um, that uh, I don't know if you guys do you guys have Beach Week in Connecticut. Do y'all do that in high school? Beach Week? No, or college? So in Virginia, we have this thing called Beach Week. So senior week. There's a week between your graduate, like um, week between graduation and the exams, and all the seniors go go to the beach. That's what they do. So they do it in high school, and then they do it also, in, and we did it in college. Um, and so, um, it's kind of like a, it was kind of a crazy thing. So I, I did go to beach week one time in college with two of my, two of my closest friends. So, you know, I do some crazy things at times. I've played with rattlesnakes before. Um, I've, I've done some really dumb stuff, but what I'm telling you about today might be one of the more stupider things I've ever done. So I, I want to just clarify, I was not drunk. I did not, we were not drinking alcohol at this time. We, uh, we were actually like juniors, I think. And we didn't even go during beach week, but, but we ended up like at the beach of three of us. Um, we went fishing and hanging out on the beach and just three guys, bachelors being bachelors and doing dumb stuff. So my buddy, Dave, Dave Helfrick, if you're watching, I'm calling you out. Uh, my buddy, Dave, uh, we were walking down this boardwalk in Atlantic city, not Atlantic city. What am I talking about? At Virginia beach I'm from Virginia. And we're walking the boardwalk and there's a sign up that says oxygen bar. And Dave is like, guys, we gotta go to the oxygen bar. Now you're both all, you're saying right now, what the heck is an oxygen bar? Exactly. So picture, um, picture like a, a room that's dark. Think something like Star Wars-ish, like the scene like that, right? With neon lights everywhere and um, oxygen tanks on the walls and leather chairs underneath them. And then there were like there were like flavored oxygen, what? <laughs> right? Sounds scary. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. I, I can't believe I paid for this. All right, so so you walk in there. He's like, it's gonna be great. And the guy's like, we're like, what's an oxygen bar? And the dude's like, oh, it's great. You like, it's like completely safe, but you kind of get like this feeling of like high from it. And um, so I I don't want to say I did not get a high. Nothing happened. Um, I had chocolate chocolate oxygen, which. What? Yes, I don't even know. It was so dumb. So we paid $15 for 15 minutes. This is 20 years ago. So that was a lot of money for 15 minutes of oxygen. Meryl right now is shaking her head at me like, Gil, you are, you are so dumb as a 22-year-old. I was. It was really dumb. And so, so this is what we did, right? All for the pursuit of... Uh, uh, I guess pleasure. I'm not really sure. I did some research. Evidently, this is still a thing, and it's actually becoming popular again. So I guess the I guess the theory is you like you're supposed to like do other drugs first, 
and then you go to the oxygen bar and like sniff pure oxygen just to make the high even better or some weird ridiculous thing like that um we were not drunk at all we didn't even drink that week so it was nothing like that and then my buddy dave actually like when the guy wasn't looking turned all our machines back on so we got 30 minutes yeah because he was like that was dumb man we're gonna try it again <laughs> but i want to pay for it yeah um so we all do dumb stuff right in the pursuit of happiness and pursuit of pleasure um, and I would like to just like say that I think sometimes we talk about pleasure and happiness as if they're the same word um, and happiness and joy as if they're the same word. And I think we can get into like parsing that out. I think the Bible really talks about this idea of joy. Um, if you want to call that happiness, I'm fine with that. Um, but the idea of like pleasure is a little different. I think we get joy from pleasure, but pleasure sometimes... And the pursuit of pleasure can can make us do really dumb things that are, are not um, all that great. Like, there's this movie, uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Anyone? Right, so Bill Murray, like, cranky, always, he's just, he's like, he hates his life. He's always looking for something better out of life. And he goes, and he's a weatherman, and he goes to Pennsylvania to report on Punxsutawney Phil, and he gets trapped in the same day over and over again. It is hilarious. That's also very poignant and deep. And basically what Bill starts to learn um, in, in this is that like, hey, I can do all these different things and get pleasure out of it and break the law. I mean, he has, he does all sorts of crazy things. He has the groundhog driving a car at one point down train tracks and like all sorts of craziness. Um, but as he's doing those things, he can, um, he learns that, hey, uh, this is not bringing me joy or happiness, even though it might be pleasurable for a season. It doesn't last a long time. It's a pretty, pretty powerful thing. And so in Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, this is from uh, Solomon. King Solomon is the, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, and he's talking to us about, about pleasure and what is meaningful and not meaningful. This is chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. He says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But it was proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is meaningless. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, and my mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of our lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit and trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees born in my house i also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in jerusalem before me i am i meant silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces i acquired male and female singers and a harem as well and delights of man's heart and the delights of man's heart i became greater by far than anyone in jerusalem before me and in all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing, and my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and in this was the reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all my hand had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So what is Solomon saying there? 
Solomon is saying to us, the pursuit, the world, okay, he's saying to us the pursuit of pleasure was meaningless. Like, he's, he tried it all. And you guys live in a world where literally, I think pleasure sold to us more than anything it sold, right? Have sex. Do this, drink this alcohol. Coors Light's the best beer. Like, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Pursue your degrees to get the best you can. Build the biggest houses. I mean, we have we have a, well, it's not as popular anymore, but we still have a cable station called, um, whatever it is, HGTV, and it's basically just about people buying ridiculous houses and fixing them up, right? It's just pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. And Solomon says to us, I had it all. Because I prayed for wisdom, I kept wisdom, but all the pleasure that I had was meaningless. And see, what happens is, is that, is that we can pursue pleasure over and over and over again. And it's just, it's just if we're trying to fill a heart, a hole in our heart, right, with all these other things. Uh, and we're, we're, we're taking them out of context. It's not that God does not want us to have fun or to have pleasure. He, he designed sex. He, it, there's plenty of places in the Bible where he talks about play. And I mean, we even see Jesus playing with children in the New Testament and bringing children up at, in the um, different sermons he talks about and saying, be like a child. Well, what does a child do? A child plays. So God is clearly okay with us playing and having fun and enjoying life, right? And we see this in some other scriptures in Proverbs in particular. If we look, um, where did I get that from? Right here. It says Proverbs 15, 13. Happy heart makes a face cheerful, but a hurtful but a heart full of crushes the spirit. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like a cancer to the bones. A joyful heart makes medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And a joyful heart is a good medicine. Oh, I just read that. <laughs> but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We even see in John chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, right? Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. That is a party, guys. It's a party celebrating what God's doing, right? And two, two people coming together. So it's clear to us through Scripture that Jesus is not, God's not against us having fun. He's, not a, he's actually for that. But what happens is, is for most of us, including myself, we, so we tend to flip that all the time. We make the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of pleasure only to be the number one thing that we have to get to. And in God's wisdom of, of flipping things upside down, we see in Solomon, Solomon is simply saying in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, that's a, that's a falsehood. He's like, I had everything. I had all the money and power and I pursued it. And it, there's only so much um, per perspective and, and joy you can get from just pleasure. There's something deeper about humans. There's something deeper about who we are that we need more than just that. Um, and I think in the New Testament parable that we see, it, I don't want to read the entire thing today. We're going to kind of just touch on some points of it. But it is the good Samaritan, I mean the prodigal son, not the good Samaritan. Um, and that's in chapter, it's in Luke chapter 15, verses, verse 13 is where I'm reading right now. Um, this is just after in the story where Jesus has uh, been telling a story to these guys about what it looks like to pursue God and have the kingdom of God in your life. It's in a, a group of parables about the kingdom of God and God's pursuit of us. And he says, he's talking to them, and the, the son goes to the, it says, 
the younger son wants to leave and he goes to the father and he says not long uh, he says i want all of your all of, i want my my part of the uh inheritance he's basically saying to his father uh i, I wish you were dead I, re I just want your money will you give me your money and then it says in verse 13 not long after that the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth with wild living So what are the pressures of the day? What are the wild livings of today? For most of you guys, maybe it's you guys online, you're not even a Christian, so it could be all sorts of stuff. For most of us right now, we're trying to pursue Jesus. And so I think that's an ebb and flow thing, right, for us, right? We're, we're in that middle ground of we really want to love Jesus, but the ways of the world are calling. And parts of those things we hear is like, you guys, you guys know this, like YOLO, you only live once, just do it, right? The Nike slogan from forever ago. Um, one of my favorites, living the living my best life, right? Um, that's not really my favorite, in case you guys were wondering. And on and on it goes. And so, um, as we think about those two dichotomies, what happens? What's the flip of this? The dichotomy being this, that on one hand, Jesus is saying to us, um, the, the, the holy of Scripture is, I want you to live well and celebrate in me. Like, I came back to this earth so you could be a part of the garden again. He's like making all things new again. He's coming back and saying, I want these things for you and for, for, for my glory, but so that you can be a part of my glory. But then our sinful fallen nature is constantly trying and saying, asking us these questions of, but you know what? I just want to continually go after the bigger car and the better car and the, um, the better house. And I would say this. As we look at the, the prodigal son's life, it says he squandered his wealth on wild living. And we look at Solomon, and Solomon says the same thing, right? He says, basically, I squandered it. It was like I had everything. And the only thing that was worth was wisdom. And so the pursuit of God needs to be about pursuing Christ alone. In Solomon's time, that would have been for wisdom. In our time, we are pursuing, we're pursuing a relationship with the living God. And so here's how I think about this stuff. If we're like constantly like, let's say, let's say you get for me, man, I want, I want an F-150, guys. I want the latest one. These things are like 60,000 bucks. I want a Raptor. Let's say a Raptor, even though I don't actually want a Raptor because I think they're a bit of a waste of money. But let's say I wanted a Raptor, like the, the top F-150, Ford F-150. Let's say I have the credit. I could go buy that, right? I'm going to hinder my um my ability because i'm like am i going to get pleasure from that from that vehicle it's a car i need a car to to do the things i need to do i need a truck i'm trying to find one right now because mine died so i like, do the things i need to do on my on my at my house so i can save some money for my house and also do some things that god wants me to do i feel like because he wants me to be healthy and strong and pleasurable um and so i i i, I need some of those things but if I go buy that car, I'm going to be two or $3,000 on a down payment and $700 a month in a payment, plus another probably $150 a month in, a, um, in insurance, plus, I don't know, six, $700,000 a year in uh, taxes, right? I'm hindering my ability to serve Jesus well. And, I, and my heart is going to be like last week we talked about money, right? My heart is going to be about that, that thing, that item, right? You've seen, everybody knows the car guy, right? They like worship his car and he like goes to the goes to the um 
has the membership to the car wash and waxes the car every day and worships the car, right? Our items and our things and uh, this pursuit of pleasure becomes this, this distraction from what we already had. Because here's the thing with the prodigal son, right? The father figure in this, in this um, parable is God. He was already there. See, that's, that's the lure of the enemy. These things are good. To have fun is good. But to have fun at all costs ends up being evil because it puts everybody else aside and it makes your heart smaller like the Grinch. Right? Because it becomes such a selfish inward focus of more, more, more. And it always leads, it leads that direction. Jim Carrey once said, um, I wish everybody could be rich, famous, and have everything they wanted. And then they would know that that's not enough. That doesn't make you truly happy. Jim Carrey is filthy rich and has anything he needs, right? Because he's a famous comedian and actor, right? And we see this over and over and over again. So what is the answer to this problem of, like, how do we, I, I can't tell you how you should live in the middle, but God calls us to live in the middle. He calls us to live at home with Jesus, but to live in the middle between, to, to be, to, sorry, to live in the middle of not pursuing pleasure, but enjoying the world, enjoying what God has for us. That's what God's called us to. And someone who's rightly following Jesus lives in a way where they're enjoying the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's, they're trying to live like they're in the garden again, but they are not seeing those things, whether it's a party or friendship or relationships, they are not putting those in the wrong place. That basically becomes an idol and those things become um, our God. So you might not have any money, you might not care about money, you might be pursuing money, but you can still live a life of pleasure that, where that, that thing is your idol and you pursue it in a, in a way that's not godly. And so how do we do that? And let's, so to, to understand what it means to live in that middle, we really need to go to the end of the story of the prodigal son because we're going to see again another ridiculous thing about our God. Our God is a, a massive, generous giver. Look around us right now. As these leaves are falling down, as you're, if you go outside and look, he's about beauty and he's about showing off his beauty, even if no one's there to see it. That means a couple things. That means one, he created you to show off his beauty. That's, that's ridiculous. Two, he wants you to enjoy his beauty. And so if we get to the end of that story in the prodigal son, Luke 15, 17 through 24, it says, And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. This is the son that left and wasted his, his money. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy of your son, to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put on a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Now what that tells me is that um, if the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on me, if I've been pursuing things, um, and I think this happens in small ways in our life. I think it happens through Instagram. I think it happens in these little things where my eyes and my gaze get off Jesus. And in some ways, I'm like the prodigal son. I'm selling, I'm saying, you know what? This is more important to me, whatever it is. It can be, it can literally be for some of us, maybe it is likes, maybe it's coffee, maybe it's, I don't know. But we can get our face off of what God wants for us, right? And then it becomes us, it becomes an altar in our life. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, go back to me, come back to me, or this is not working, and we go back to the Father, look at the extravagant love of the Father that Jesus talks about here. This guy, this, this dude, this kid, this man, just wasted a fortune. Everything we know about the story, this was a rich father. He squandered a fortune. And this father says, hey, welcome home. Hugs him, kisses him. Get the best robe for my son. Go kill the best calf for my son. We're throwing a party for my son because I love this dude. And that's how our God feels about you and me. And so it might feel like a, a little thing, but that little thing can turn into a huge thing. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you come back now and it's a little thing or you come back later and it's a huge thing. God says you're forgiven if you're asking for forgiveness. And the clear thing here about this parable that's so important to understand, the son didn't just come back, right? He said, I, he, 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 said I, he confessed, I have sinned against you and against heaven. So the question today is, is what do we need to confess? If the pursuit of happiness, if the American dream is a joke, and I think it is, and I think we put all sorts of things in front of what actually is important, I don't think the Founding Fathers meant it in the way we take it, right? But it has, it, this idea of the pursuit of happiness, like my happiness is all that matters in, in life, is not true. And so where on the micro level have you been pursuing your happiness above it, above what God's calling you to? If you confess it, man, he's going to throw a party for you. Every time. Our God is ridiculous. Because he made you in his image, Imago Dei. The image of God. And he is going to throw a party. He's extravagantly loving his world. And that the biggest point of that is, is what he did on the cross. It was an extravagant gift and it cost a lot. It was, it was, so everybody says, oh, it's a free gift. It's not a free gift. Any life is not, that dies is not, that's not, someone gave that. That is a cost. 
the response you get to that is free. Like you get to go into the throne room, right? My, one of my favorite analogies. You get to go and run on Jesus's bed, on the King of Kings bed, run into the bedroom, right? I don't let anybody just do that in my house, right? Only my kids can go into my bedroom, right? You're now a child of God. We just sang that song. You get to run up the steps and go jump on the bed as long as he's not naked, whenever you want, right? Like, I, that's the thing. Like, you have to, like, come on, that's funny. If I'm, like, naked, <laughs> you can't come here. <laughs> or you can't jump in, right? It's just a little joke. Just a little joke. Move along. Because Jesus paid the price. Right? And so it's not about pursuing happiness. It's about living in joy. He wants us to enjoy this world. He wants us to enjoy each other. But we can't let the idea of having fun define us. Because it will destroy us. It destroyed the prodigal son in the parable. Solomon says, basically, it, you know, it's, it's a waste. So don't live in waste. We want to live in plenty. So what do you need? Maybe you don't. But what do you, where, where has your heart been wandering? Where has pleasure overtaken what God might be having for you? Whether that's helping others, whether that's, maybe it's, maybe it's your addiction to, to likes on Instagram. Because we know for a fact that every time we get a like on Instagram, there's a, um, a dopamine hit that happens in our brain, just like when you smoke cigarettes. It's like, ooh, people like me, right? And that can be, that can be, can lead down a path um, that will, that will eventually, we'll just start doing everything in our selfish motives. And we're already, we're already geared that way anyway. God wants to, wants us to be renewed from the inside out. He's still doing that in you. But why not take today and go, I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice this on the altar. So that I can enjoy beautiful creation. And I can enjoy a beautiful God. And I can enjoy his beautiful people. And not judge them. And not walk in them and not try to use them. But just enjoy them. God's throwing you a party today, guys. It's a beautiful, awesome party. He has it for every single person. No matter how many times. And it's, it's probably my bet you have not squandered everything. You probably haven't squandered everything. You're not the prodigal son. But we can enjoy the party, right? So let's pray.